morning, everyone. For those of you who are visiting, uh, this church is not run by women, okay? I know there's just girls on stage this morning. Don't fear. Uh, my husband and about 60 other men from our church and 10 guys from our Shelfer Church in, in PE, they're in Port Alfred on a camp. And, yeah, I know God is doing amazing things. So this is why there's less guys this morning. But for those of you who are here, if you are male, you're most welcome. So for those of you also visiting, uh, we're busy with a series on the book of Ephesians. So we preach through the book of Ephesians. My husband has done quite a few chapters. And this morning, I'm going to focus on chapter 3 of Ephesians. So I'm really trusting, also according to the word that Tanya had, that God is going to do something special in our hearts this morning. I know it's cold. I know the the best place, you know, in the natural is in the bed (laughs) or in front of the television with a movie. But I just want to honor you for being here and just know that your, your feet who has brought you here and your heart it will be honored by the Lord, and he will do something in you this morning. It's not coincidence that you are here. It's not coincidence that you sit here this morning. God has an appointment with you, and I really trust him that he's going to do something special in your heart. Amen? So I want to start with a question. If you think about the word love, lifter, I just want you to think about love and think about any emotion or thought or something that comes to mind. You know, anything. You know, the love between a man and a woman, between a mother and a child, between a, a daughter and a parents or a son and a parents. The love between two friends. Anything. What, what stands out for you? I mean, there's so many songs being written about love. And, you know, if you, if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, then Solomon said there's a couple of things in life that he doesn't understand. Now, you must remember he was a wise man. He was the wisest man. He had so much wisdom, and he, and he said there's a couple of things on earth that he doesn't understand. Then he lists a few things. And then the last one, he says, the love between a man and a woman. He doesn't understand that. Now, I have to add that he had a thousand women in his lives. In his life. Okay, 700 wives, 300 extra ladies in his, in his life. A thousand. Go and read, go and read um the Old Testament, I don't have any idea how that worked. I mean, most men battle to cope with one, eh? <laughs> so, I mean, sh- surely, yeah, he didn't understand the way between a man and a, and, a, and a woman because he had a thousand, so he was obviously trying to understand it. But, <laughs> and still by the end of his life, probably didn't. But I remember when, when my husband and I started dating at Varsity, it was long ago, 1998, we started dating. It's long ago. Some of you maybe have not yet been born, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was really confused about this love thing because Andrew was my first boyfriend, so I didn't really know how, this, it, how it works, you know. I was really under the impression that when you now fall in love or when you are getting married to somebody, then it's kind of like you really um, are crazy about the person every second of the day. And, you know, you, you sleep for a week and all the way down. 
And I just realized that I had to learn. I had to learn how to love somebody because I had so many wrong ideas. I had so many wrong expectations. I had so many preconceived ideas about loving somebody. And looking back, you know, if there's many books being written about love and, you know, what is the foundation of love, but I want to give you two things this morning that I believe with all of my heart is the foundation of a, of a love relationship. And the first one is a friendship. Where there's a friendship relationship where you actually want to be with a person just to talk to him or her, just spending time. And the second one is a trust relationship. And I, I don't believe that there could actually be a love relationship without friendship and without trust. Now, you might have your own ideas, your own opinions. I know there's many experts who might have their own opinions. This is just my personal experience, and I believe it is very much the same when it comes to the love between us and God. And this is what I want to come to. I believe the love relationship between us and God is very much based on a friendship and a trust relationship. Where you just want to be with God, where you just want to talk to Him, where you feel comfortable, where you feel safe, where you feel He's your best friend, but also where there's a trust. Where there's a, a trust where when things don't look good or when you don't understand, or when things don't make sense, that the friendship is not going to be enough. Then there must be a trust relationship. And I've seen that in my walk with the Lord. If, if I build on that, if I build on a friendship, in a, if I build on my trust relationship with God, the love between us increases. So I want to take you to this first scripture in, in Ephesians 3 that I want to highlight to you this morning. I want to encourage you to go read the whole chapter. There's quite a few famous scriptures in Ephesians 3. And the whole chapter... The Apostle Paul is, is, is making an argument, or this is how I, how I interpret it. He's making an argument to prove that God's love is, we can't really understand it with our minds. It's wide, it's deep, it's high, it's wide. It's, it's, it's just, there's a, there's, there's a measure of God's love that he must reveal to us. And the Apostle Paul is making a whole argument to try and prove that there's something about God's love that cannot be understood with, with our minds. So I want to take you to the first one that I want to highlight. It's in verse 19. It's in the Amplified, and it says, that you may really come to know practically and through experience for yourself the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge. And he, he, wants to, he wants to prove in this whole chapter that there's something about God's love that we can't understand. It's, there's, a, there's a point where we need to almost switch off our brains and just say, okay, God, reveal it to my heart. Reveal it to my heart. And I want to take you just to another scripture in Psalms 130 verse 7. How many of you heard about the Passion Translation? It's a new translation that is 
incredible. You buy it book by book. Okay, you can't buy the whole Bible. So somebody's making a lot of money, I think. But it's, it's worth it. It's worth paying just a hundred or something rand per book. It is absolutely amazing. But I want to read to you some uh, 130 verse 7 in the Passion Translation. It says, uh, Israel, keep hoping, keep trusting, and keep waiting on the Lord. For he is tender-hearted, kind, and forgiving. He has a thousand ways to set you free. He has a thousand ways to set you free. And I've been meditating on this the whole week. I just realized if God has a thousand ways to set us free, then he has a thousand ways to show us how much he loves us. There's not one way. There's not a recipe. There's not one particular way because each of us is different. And God will will show you his love in a way that will make sense to you. But I believe the key is for us to make ourselves vulnerable and to, you know, you know, we have so many things that has happened in our lives that has disappointed us, that has, in terms of a trust or a love relationship, our trust has been broken or our, our, our expectation, we had an expectation or we, we, we've gone through a huge disappointment when it comes to people or circumstances. And because of that, we want to close our hearts for God as well. So he's trying, he's trying to come with these thousand ways to, to show us his love. But our hearts are closed. And our eyes are even closed. We can't see it. We can't experience it because of previous disappointments and previous things that we've actually risked. We have risked. And then... It backfired, you know, or there was this disappointment, and then we start closing our hearts. And I really believe the key is for us to, to, to experience these thousand ways that God loves us is to open our hearts again. And this is what I believe God wants to do this morning. He wants to show us how to open our hearts again, how to receive healing from whatever has happened in the past. Whether it was uh, 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 um, your boyfriend or your girlfriend who gave you the impression that you're not good enough anymore. It was maybe a marriage. Maybe it was your dad. You just never received love from your dad or your mom or a teacher. Bad experience with a teacher that you really trusted. But I really feel that God wants us to open our hearts again this morning. So... I want to share with you a few things that God showed me over the last two months, just ways in which he showed me that he loved me. And I I really trust that God's going to reveal to you things, you know, because he's talking to us all the time. We just need to be aware of it and we we need to trust him and he'll open our eyes. But I've, I've gone through an interesting time over the last two months. For those of you who don't know, my husband went on a mission trip to Argentina in, in April. His passport got stolen at the airport just before the team came back to South Africa. And that incident kicked off quite a few things in our lives. And I've been through, it's, it's, it's hard to explain, but I think I've, I've been confronted with many old things in my life, you know, things that I, I felt I've dealt with in the past. I've 
done with it. I dealt with it. It's in my past. It's, you know, I, I'm, I'm moving forward. It was all of a sudden as if there were so many old things in my face. And it was the one thing after the other. The one moment I deal with condemnation. The next moment I deal with guilt. The next moment I deal with confusion. The next moment I deal with fear. I mean, I'm, I'm still battling to... To have a proper night's rest after even eight weeks. I think I must have at least like almost 200 hours backlog at the moment. <laughs> this is how I feel if I count how many hours I know I should sleep and how many hours I, I did get over the last eight weeks. So I'm, I'm confronted with many old things. Well, this is the way I see it. I see it as God, I've dealt with this. You've set me free. What is this now? Where, where does this come from? What is it? And I'm, I'm going through this interesting two months where, where, where I'm just confronted again with a, almost like to go back to the basics. You know, to go back to what is a lie and what is truth. On what do I base my Christianity? On what do I base my faith? Is my faith actually real? Because it's very easy to have faith when things are going well. Amen? It's really easy when, when, you're not, when, when there's not opposition, when, when there's not emotions that you can't figure out and that you, you know, your recipe of worship, anoint the house and fasting and have communion and let's pray together. I mean, all of a sudden you do these things and it's not working so well. Then you, we need to go back to the basics. We need to go back to who is God. And who is he really in your life? And do you really believe in him? Do you really believe that he's your deliverer? Do you really believe that he's the lover of your soul? Do you really believe that he's for you and not against you? Because in a time where there's so much confusion and you're tired and things don't make sense. And, you know, you, you have no idea actually how you got yourself into a position where you feel depressed and... and confused and condemned and everything at the same time and it's 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 not for an hour or two hours it's like all the time you need to go back you need to go back so I just want to share a few things with you you know one Saturday morning I was I was in the kitchen it was now a couple of weeks back and I cried because I was just so tired and then my son is six now he looked at me he said to me mommy why are you crying and I said to him I'm tired I'm really tired. You know, and he looked at me. He climbed into my food cupboard. I share the story with a few of you. He climbed into my food cupboard. He got the bottle of olive oil because he knows this is what we do when anything is wrong. He got the bottle of oil, olive oil. He climbed onto my lap. He took, I mean, he put oil on his hands. He put it on my forehead and he said, Jesus, please heal mommy. She can't sleep. Please heal her. But, you know, in that moment, I saw the love of God. I mean, in a moment where I'm so tired, but then my son comes, he's six. And I know God, something that we have modeled over the last six years have stuck. Something. Because it's not as if we really preach or teach a lot at home. It's more like we just live our lives. And he's picking up on certain things. And he just knows this is going to help. Because mommy's crying. And, you know, it's a typical man. There's a problem, then he needs a solution. 
And it was so precious. It was so precious to me. You know, something else that God did for me, I went, uh, three weeks ago, I went to the Awaken Conference in Johannesburg, and I was so tired, I actually thought of canceling the whole weekend and not going, and I knew I had to go, because I knew, you know, in a season like this, that, that I'm in at the moment, where it almost feels like a spiritual war that you can't actually figure out in the natural You have to make up your mind that you're not going to run away. You have to make up your mind that you're not going to allow the devil to intimidate you. Because ultimately, this is what he wants to do. He wants to intimidate us. He wants us to run away from church. He wants us to run away from, from people. He wants to isolate us. He will do anything to intimidate you. And I, I knew I had to go. And I was so tired. And... You know, in, in the natural even, you know, when I'm on top of the world, my words run out. I know girls in general speak more than guys, but I think I'm one of those people who speak, you know, I'm on the lowest spectrum of, of words that I have available per day. <laughs> so, and if I'm tired, I really don't feel like talking. I really don't. And now I'm off to, to this ladies' weekend and this, I'm in... I think there were 400 ladies, and I had to, I, I, I didn't speak. I just had to help with the facilitation of the ministry and, you know, with the program. But I said, God, how am I going to do this? I am so tired. I have, I have nothing to give. And God just showed me his love in so many tangible ways over that weekend. We, I just, physically, I was exhausted, but... It was spiritually as if he just came and he revived me. We, I had a lot of words. <laughs> I, had, I had so much capacity, so much capacity for people and for God. And I just knew, you know, this is, that was God's way of showing me he's with me. He's for me. You know, he loves me. And what, whatever way works for you, whatever will make sense to you, God will come and do it for you. Something else that God often uses for me, just to show me his love, is when I, whenever I feel sunlight on my face, like direct sunlight, not, not heat or not like, you know, 30 degrees in the sun. This is not what I'm talking about. Almost as if it's a cool day, and then I feel sunlight on my face. I know if it makes sense to you. If you sit outside and there's sunlight, even inside, and there's sun coming through a window, and it touches my face. Every time God gives me that scripture, the sun of righteousness will shine with healing in its wings. And I feel, I literally feel as if God comes and he touches me. So it's just a way, I mean, it, I don't really think about it, but every time when it happens, I realize, wow, I feel God so close to me now. It's almost as if that is his way of just showing me his love. And oh, there's so many other ways that God just, you know, in the last couple of weeks showed me his love. And I know he wants to do, to do the same for you. He wants to talk to you personally. He wants to show you his love. But we need to be open for that. There's a book written by Paul Manwaring called Kisses by a Good God. I know how many of you have come across that book he, he had cancer, 
He's one of the pastors at Bethel, so obviously people all over the world prayed for him for healing, and he didn't get healed. In the end, he had to go through operation, and the operation was successful, and he was healed. But he wrote this book, Kisses from a Good God, and it's his journey. It's his journey, it's, it's basically his cancer journey, where everybody prayed for him. And like left, right, and center around him, everybody gets healed. But he doesn't. And how he wrote this book about how God came and showed him like a thousand ways in which he loved him. And that even though he had to go through operation, I mean, doctors are blessed. I mean, all the doctors in the church, we love you. I mean, God has given us the medical profession as a gift. And he's also making this this, this um argument in the book that a medical miracle is not a second-rate miracle. It is still a miracle, you know. If you, get, if you go to a doctor and there's no hope and you're dying and they can do something for you that saves your life, it is a miracle. You know, and I think often we, we in, in a church where we also trust the Lord for healing and we trust the Lord for, you know, for supernatural miracles, we, we, we forget that God can do a miracle in a thousand ways, you know? And it's really important to know that. And he wrote this book about how God showed him his love. How it, he experienced it as kisses from a good God. So if any, if any one of you are going through a, a difficult time, we, are, we have questions about whether God loves you. It's such a good book that I can recommend. Paul, it's written by Paul Manwaring. You can... Get it from me later if you, if you want the exact spelling of the name. Kisses from a good God is really amazing. But I want to share with you two, two things that I think can be a stepping stone to receive God's love this morning. Okay, two things that can be a stepping stone. First of all, we have to deal with condemnation in our lives. We have to deal with condemnation because I believe condemnation is a root of many, many other things. Condemnation could be a root of sickness, could be a root of fear, anxiety, guilt, shame, confusion. Condemnation wants to separate us from the Father. It wants to separate us. And I remember when when I started working with, with Andre five years ago, I worked with my husband the last five years. And... You know, I really wanted to prove myself when I started working with him. It's funny, but I was trying to impress him because he's now my boss. Okay? He's now my husband, but he's also my boss. And I had quite a hectic job before I joined him. So I was quite confident that I'm going to make a huge success of my new job, you know, <laughs> working with him. I, was, I felt it's going to be really easy because my previous job was... A lot of responsibility, a lot of overtime, a lot of pressure. So I thought, this is going to be easy. So my, one of my first tasks was to, to organize a mission team from Shofar Tableview. Or, I don't know if it was Tableview or Tigerberg at that stage. But in any case, about 10 guys, 10, 10 people coming. They were going to do an encounter three over the weekend. And I had to just organize, you know, all the logistics, the accommodation and everything. So I organized with my parents in Muscle Bay that they will sleep over there the Thursday evening. And because they were driving from Cape Town like late, like 7, 8 o'clock, 
the evening, it's about four hours to Mossel Bay, so they would arrive there at 12, which is already very inconvenient for my folks. And, okay, that was part of what I had to organize. So the Thursday evening at about 8, Andre was on the phone with the pastor, checking, how are you? Are you okay? Are you on your way? And when he spoke to him, something in me, something in me told me, which was God, by the way. You told your, your parents that they're coming the Friday evening, not the Thursday evening. And I thought, it can't be, it can't be. God, they're on their way. They're going to arrive there at 12 o'clock tonight. You know, my mom, is. she wants to plan, okay? She had this whole thing that she's going to do. She's going to make lasagna for them. And she's going to get, it's like 10 people arriving in four hours. So I thought, okay, maybe I'm making a mistake. I checked all my emails. All the emails says, no, it's Thursday. But something in me told me that I gave the wrong details to my parents. I phoned my mom. I said, Mama, what did, what did I say? Nee, my kind. Jy het kom mooi It's like, no, this, it can't be, you know. Like, my mom is stressed, like, you know. She said, I'm in my pajamas. I'm on my way to bed. <laughs> I, th- I felt so bad, you know, and you know what happened to me? A big dark cloud of condemnation covered me. It, it was, you know, I felt so condemned. And the reason I felt so condemned is I said to myself, how could this happen? I'm experienced in, in project management, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I can do this. How did this happen? I should have checked. I should have double checked. How, how can I do this to my parents? And now my husband looks at me. Sonika, why, what is this now? And I, I tell him, I promise you, I promise you, the rest of the weekend's all sorted. <laughs> he said, now he's not so sure anymore. <laughs> so now I want to impress him. Remember, it's my first, one of my first tasks. It's, it was an honest mistake, but I felt so condemned. And it separated me immediately from God's love because I felt I've messed up. It separated me from my husband's love because I felt I messed up, you know. I felt I've disappointed them. I felt, I felt horrible, you know. And the more God was telling me, Sonica, I've redeemed your mistake. I've actually Want you in time, you know. So my mom, my dad was driving to the shops getting bread. My mom is like... Making the beds ready. I mean, it was just like um, a team effort from their side to be ready at 12 for these 10 people. But it was really all fine. It was fine. But I was so condemned. I felt like like at most failure. And I knew it was a spirit of condemnation coming for me where you feel condemned. You see, because this is what condemnation does. It accuses you. It accuses you. It tells you everything you've done wrong. And even if you've done everything right, let me tell you, the spirit of condemnation will tell you it's not good enough. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. This is how the spirit of condemnation works. It will forever condemn you. So I just want to show you a scripture in in Ephesians 3.12. So this is now before the Apostle Paul come with a, with a, 
the love scripture, you know, that God's love, that we need to experience his love. In verse 12, it says, In whom, that is God, because of our faith in him, we dare to have the boldness, the courage and the confidence of free access, an unreserved approach to God with freedom and without fear. Okay, this is all big words. A loaded sentence. But what this scripture is telling us, that if we want to receive the love of God, we need boldness. We need an unreserved approach. We need courage and confidence. We need free access to God. We need to be able to go to him any time of the day, even if you have sinned, even if you have messed up, even if you have done everything wrong. That must be there, that free access. Otherwise, the devil will disconnect us from God's love. And the moment he disconnects us from God, he disconnects us from all our hope, our whole foundation. Oh, it, it disconnects us. And it is a big, big, big strategy of the devil to disconnect us from God's love. The moment he can get you condemned, to feel bad, to feel like a failure, to feel... How could I have done that? How could I have said that? I know God for 20 years. How could I have made that mistake? How can I still battle with this and this and this and this? I've done encounter one and two and three and four and I've done Bible school. So certainly there's something wrong with me. Certainly I'm just a useless case, you know? This is, what, this is the voice from the enemy. It's the voice from the devil. And it's forever, forever his plan to separate us from that free access where we are like a little child, you know, who just runs to Jesus and who can go anytime, any place, no matter what you've done wrong. No matter what you've done wrong. So how do we identify condemnation? How do you know it's condemnation? Because it's, it's, quite, a, it's quite sometimes difficult to know. Because it feels very real. It feels, no, but all the facts on the table say that you deserve punishment right now. So how do, you, how do we identify condemnation? You feel disconnected from God. So the difference between condemnation and conviction, when the Holy Spirit comes and he convicts you of something, is you will feel free. You will feel light. You'll know that there's a problem, but God will present you with a solution. Okay? Condemnation presents you with no solution. You just feel disconnected from God. It's as if you feel hopeless. You have nowhere to turn. You are just this useless person. Okay? And God, God even has lost hope. This is how you feel. Okay? You feel disconnected. You're very self-focused. So you, you're very inwardly focused. You feel you're a hypocrite. You're a... You're a you're a failure, such a bad person, and the fruit is not good. So you, you, you could even become irrational, emotional, fearful, anxious. It can lead to many, many, many other things. That is often the root of a spirit of condemnation. And let me tell you, even if you have done nothing wrong, it can still come for you because it wants to disconnect you from God. It wants to disconnect you from the Lord. There's a scripture in 1 John 3. It says, whenever our hearts in tormenting 
Self-accusation makes us feel guilty and condemn us. So a spirit of condemnation is tormenting. It wants to torment you. Whenever our hearts in tormenting self-accusation make us feel guilty and condemn us, He, that is God, is above and greater than our consciences, our hearts, and He knows, He perceives and understands everything. Nothing is hidden from Him. What does that mean? Whenever we feel condemned, God is greater. Okay, he's bigger. He's above whatever turmoil you experience in your heart. He's bigger than that. And then the scripture says, And beloved, if our consciences or our hearts do not accuse us, if they do not make us feel guilty and condemn us, we have confidence, which is a complete assurance and a boldness before God. But this also means that if our hearts do accuse us, If our consciences or our hearts do accuse us, we do not have confidence before God. Okay, does it make sense to you? So that is the devil's strategy. He wants to disconnect us from the Lord. He wants to accuse us in such a way that we think, you you can't go to God now. I mean, surely he's also unhappy with you. That is the voice of the enemy. Okay, condemnation breaks down a love relationship. Condemnation wants us to perform for love. That spirit wants us to earn love, to work, to work hard, to fix our mistakes, to make right somehow. We have to now perform and work and strive because we just need to now get a few good boxes ticked. Otherwise, we can't go to God. This is what condemnation does. So how do we practically deal with this, with the spirit of condemnation? Is there anybody who can relate to to what I'm saying? Okay, all right. Just remember, we're dealing with a spirit of condemnation. It's a spiritual thing. So it's not about you. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. It's something from the outside who wants to disconnect us from the Lord. And the primary strategy is to disconnect us from God's love. Okay, where we don't have boldness to go to the Lord. We have to take authority over this because it's a spirit. So in the name of Jesus, we have to say, I take authority over the spirit of condemnation. You're not going to feel like it. You're just going to feel like crying and running away. But you have to do it. You have to also bring it in the light. Because often, when you share it with anybody else, they're going to tell you, it's as clear as daylight. This is not you. This is something from the outside coming for you. But you often battle to see it yourself. I'll give you a practical example now. And we have to expose the lies of the devil by focusing on the truth. The truth is God is for you. The truth is found in the Bible. God is for you. He's not against you. He is. Nothing can separate you from his love. He is. He really loves you. And you need to focus on those truths. Let me give you one very practical example. It makes sense to you. Uh, um, Vian, our son, He's had a few really special encounters with God over the last 
two months, which is very interesting for me because this is now a season where I'm battling with many things, and, and he is just flourishing spiritually. He started to hear Jesus speaking to him and sharing with me how, how Jesus speaks to him. But about two weeks ago, more or less, two weeks and a bit, he was very upset. And I could see that he wants to talk to me, but he doesn't know how. And he said to me, Mommy, I need to tell you something. And he couldn't tell me. I said, what? Is it good or bad? No, he doesn't know. Is it something that happened at school? No. Okay, he'll tell me tomorrow. He's just too huge and too big for him. So, but I could see, you know, he's anxious. He's, he's like emotional. And a couple of minutes later, he said, okay, Mommy, I'm just going to tell you. So he told me that he feels, he feels, that he's making it up. He feels that whatever Jesus has spoken to him over the last couple of weeks, he's making it up. It's just this imagination, but he's upset. He's really, really upset about it. Now, that is exactly how a spirit of condemnation works. So it was all of a sudden as if he's disconnected from God. Because, mommy, it's, it's not real. I feel, I feel as if I'm making it up. So it was a spur of condemnation wanted to disconnect him from God, telling him, you're making it up, it's not real. He wanted to accuse him and condemn him. And I said to him, Vian, that is the devil speaking to you. So he said, no, mommy, the devil is not speaking to me. I feel I'm making it up. So I said, yeah, but the devil can make you feel things. And it was all of a sudden the lights came on. He said, really? The devil can make me feel things? I said, yes. I said to him, even I sometimes feel as if I don't hear Jesus' voice. I said to him, even daddy. Now, you must, you must understand, Vian believes his daddy knows everything. <laughs> Especially about Jesus. He says, no, daddy is, daddy is the boss. And uh, he's the leader. He's the leader of the church. So he's very proud of that. So According to him, Andre knows everything. So he said, even daddy sometimes feels that he is making it up. So he said, really? So you know what happened in that moment? He was bringing it in the light. It was too big for him to handle. It was too huge. He, he couldn't understand it. But praise God, he told me. Praise God, he, he told me. Praise God, I could give him the truth. The truth is the devil can make us feel in a certain way, which is, not, which is not God. And what we did then, to make sense to him, we took authority. So this is why I have this lot. This is Vianse lot. I say Pakslo lot. I said to him, okay, fine. The devil is messing with you. We're going to now give the devil a hiding. So now he's all excited. <laughs> And I said, okay, how many, and you know what, we, we did like, whatever you want to call it, okay, it's in his way, we took authority over this thing. He was free after that, totally free. He brought it into the light, we, we took authority by saying, okay, devil, this is enough, you're messing with him, we're now taking authority over you over this feeling that's coming for him. And I shared the truth with him. And he was free. And the next day, 
even just the next evening, he came to me, he said to me, he's going to lie in his bed and Jesus is going to speak to him because they teach this at Kids Church. Well done to all the Kids Church volunteers. You are amazing. Because Vian just tells me how they, 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 mommy, they teach us to lie down and then we must close our eyes. We must focus. We're not allowed to laugh because we must focus. <laughs> and then Jesus comes. They tell us that Jesus is going to come and he's going to show us things. And then I ask him, but what does Jesus show you? And he says, no, it's different. Every time it's different. And he said to me that, I mean, that was the Thursday when we now gave the devil a hiding. The Friday, he saw this amazing vision. And there's not time now to, to tell you the whole thing. But he came to me so excited. He said, Jesus showed me this. But we had to take authority over that feeling that whatever he sees and whatever experience is, his imagination. So this is what we need to do in order to get back to that place of love, a place of safety. You know, something else we, that is a, a stepping stone, we need a revelation of covenant. So we need to take authority over the spirit of condemnation. We need a revelation of covenant. Let me read to you Ephesians 3 verse 17. I'm just taking bits and pieces out of Ephesians 3, Okay. Also in the Amplified, it says, May Christ, through your faith, dwell, settle down, abide, and make his permanent, permanent home in your hearts. A permanent home is a permanent home. Which means God is not going anywhere. He's not moving in. He's marrying you. Amen. He's not going anywhere. If you look at the marriage, uh, the marriage vows that we do, just going to read you a few. It says, "In prosperity and adversity." This is what the couples that they promise towards one another: in prosperity and adversity, in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, to honor in the Lord. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Till death do us part. This is covenant. And I think sometimes because there's so many marriages that's battling, falling apart, we don't believe in covenant anymore. But the covenant that God has for us, it's not changing. He's going nowhere. I just want to share another story with you that's so beautifully Gave me a revelation of this. I had to fish Andre at the airport uh, in the beginning of the year. And I had to fetch Vian at school and then go to a swimming lesson and then fetch Andre. So I, by accident, I left my cell phone at home. So now I was stressing about it because my husband is huge on communication. So now I know he wants to get off the plane. He wants to immediately message me and tell, tell me, I'm here. Are you here? You know, he wants to communicate. Now, I don't have my cell phone with me. Now, I stress. I think, oh, goodness, this is going to be trouble. There's going to be conflict. I don't want to fight with him. I missed him. Okay, so I'm now in this situation. Now, we're driving to the airport. I, I tell Vian, Vian, we must now please pray that Daddy's not going to be cross with me because I left my phone. <laughs> I know it sounds ridiculous, but I was really, oh, I thought this is now just going to be a disaster, you know. And I don't want to fight with him, but I can't go back. There's no time to go back home. You know what? Vian looked at me, really puzzled. He said, Mommy, 
why would daddy be cross with you? He loves you. He married you. <laughs> it's like, what is the problem? You know what? I got a serious revelation that day about covenant. Because for my son, there was no reason to panic. It's like, mommy, but daddy loves you. And he married you. So he's not going to be cross with you. And, you know, and he wasn't. I mean, I still, I met you at the airport. I don't know if you remember you. I was like storming. I saw, I saw some, somebody and I said, please, can I borrow your phone? I must phone my husband. <laughs> Just leave a message on his phone. And Andre was like, what? what's going on with you? Of course I'm not going to be cross with you. But it was, you see what, what, what happens when we submit to any kind of condemnation, it, it, it disconnects you. It lies to you. And according to my son, there was just no issue because he just had an understanding. In his mind, if two people are married... They love each other, and there's grace, and there's, you know, we're not going to fight over such nonsense. <laughs> and it was so special, you know. And I want to tell you this morning, Jesus died for you. He didn't only come and marry us in a covenant. He died for you. You know, we have, we have such an, a wrong idea of God. You know, so I want to say to you this morning, like Vian said to me, why would God be cross with you? He died for you. He loves you. This is the God that we serve. So I'm, I'm almost done. I just want to share with you one last bit. What happens when we do know that God loves us? If we can get to a point where we deal with condemnation, if we can get to a point where we know covenant, what happens inside of us? I believe we become unstoppable. We become we become courageous. You know, something in us happens. Ephesians 3.20, wonderful, famous scripture that we all know in the Amplified. Now to him who by the power that is at work within us <clears throat> is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think. That is infinitely beyond our highest praise, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. To him be the glory. You see, I believe there's a power that rises in us when we believe that we are right with God. There's something that rises, a power that, that, that increases when we know that we are right with God, you know? When we believe that we have a friendship with God and we can trust him with our lives, there's a power that rises up in us. But what does the devil want to do? He wants to steal our courage. He wants to do anything to disconnect you from God because he is scared of this power that will rise up inside of you when you are right with God, when you know, when you know that you are right with God. The devil is really scared about these infinitely beyond our highest praise, desires, thoughts, hopes, and dreams, those things. He's really scared because he knows it will do great damage to his kingdom. If, if this power that is inside of us start doing above, above our, our praise, our desires, our thoughts, our hopes, our dreams, above that. And sometimes we have dreams that we think 
is impossible and God says this power inside of us will even go beyond that. Now that freaks the devil out. He's really scared. So he will do whatever it takes to disconnect us from the Lord. He will do whatever it takes. And what I'm trusting God for this morning is that he will restore our hearts in such a way that we will know there's a power that will rise within us when we are right with God. And that we will once and for all identify because the spirit of condemnation will come. I, I, I don't believe it's just something that we were going to resist once and for all and it's going to be gone. But I believe God is going to show us immediately when we deal with it. And he will give us the strategy to deal with it right there without it disconnecting us from the Lord. Amen. I want to share one more picture that somebody gave me and then we're going to pray. Somebody had a picture for me in over the last couple of weeks about a drum, like, you know, typically like a, a musical instrument, like a, a bongo that makes a sound of a drum skin being over a small drum, being stretched over a bigger drum. And, you know, when I, when I got that, I, I thought, Lord, this is exactly how I feel. I feel that up until now, I had enough faith, you know, for what God wanted to do through my life. But it is as if I'm being stretched because God wants to make a bigger sound. He wants to make a bigger impact. But I need to be stretched for that bigger sound and for that bigger impact. And... I just want to encourage you this morning, if you feel stretched, if you feel that you're in a war spiritually, if you feel that you're battling, it's probably not because you're doing anything wrong. It's because God is stretching you for a new season. And I'm not saying God is bringing these things over us. Okay, just, just realize that God is forever good towards us, loving. He will never make us sick. He's not going to condemn us. But if we experience a battle that is confusing and that is draining and that is taking the life out of you, stealing your joy, just hang in there. Don't isolate yourself. Just allow God to use it, whatever it is, whether it's the devil or whether it's God. Just allow God to use this season to stretch you to make a bigger sound. For, for this power that is in us that will, that will increase so that God can do far beyond our wildest dreams, our wildest imaginations.